Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, and welcome to another episode of A Sound Heart Radio. Uh, this morning, uh, our discussion is going to be about the walk of faith, the walk of faith within a crooked, perverse, transhumanist, AI-controlled age. And so with that, uh, let us have a word of prayer, and we'll begin our study for this morning. Dear Lord, we thank you for our, our Savior. We thank you for Jesus, who died for us on a Roman gibbet in 33 AD. We thank you that Jesus died for our sins and that he was buried and that he rose again on the third day, according to the scriptures. And Father, we pray for those who would hear this message that there are no unconfessed sins that our hearts would be open to receive what you have for us within your law. And we thank you for this opportunity in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So uh, this morning, uh, I'm going to begin in Isaiah 50, and then we're going to move to the New Testament. Uh, And I'm going to read about the faithful servant, the faithful servant. And this is... Isaiah's prophecy about uh, the Lord Jesus and uh, his attitude toward God, his attitude of faith in God. So this is Isaiah 50, uh, beginning at verse 4. Quote, the sovereign Lord hath or has given me an instructed tongue. To know the word that sustains the weary. He awakens me morning by morning, wakens my ear to listen like one being taught. The sovereign Lord has opened my ears, and I have not been rebellious. I have not drawn back. I offered my back to those who beat me, my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard. I did not hide my face from mocking and spitting because the sovereign Lord helps me. I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I set my face like flint and I know I will not be put to shame. He who vindicates me is near. Who then will bring charges against me? Let us face each other. Who is my accuser? Let him confront me. It is the sovereign Lord who helps me. Who is he that will condemn me? They will all wear out like a garment. The moth will eat them up. Unquote. So I wanted to bring to your attention uh, the consciousness 
that Jesus had or possessed of his high calling before God. And that this consciousness of his high calling remained undisturbed. Uh, He was never ashamed of that, and nor did he turn away from it. So he walked by faith. He walked by faith, by faith in his age. And so now notice the details that Isaiah provides for us. First of all, we have uh, the real, the realization that the in verse four that the uh, the uh, this servant the faithful servant has an instructed tongue that is uh, literally it reads the tongue of taught ones the tongue of taught ones in Hebrew uh, to know the word that sustains the weary or that word weary means those who are exhausted and fatigued. And this information is important for us because of the timing in which we live. We live in a crooked and perverse time. We live in a time of of ardent transhumanism. Uh, There is an old writer who wrote, uh, I can't remember his name at this time, but he wrote, "To, To man qua man, we readily say good riddance. To man as man, we readily say good riddance. And uh, C.S. Lewis has written about the, the abolition of man. It is a book that you should read. And uh, he talks about our time, The Abolition of Man by C.S. Lewis. So uh, another a great resource for you. And also, uh, we live in an age that is controlled by AI or artificial intelligence. Uh, what we call our cell phones uh, is a compact spy device. It does biometrics. It does attitude. It uses predictive programming. Uh, and all this information is, is cataloged, and uh, these people know uh, how to manage uh, you and I through these machines. So some have called us or said we are we are cyborgs because there is this machine human synthesis that has taken place, albeit. Uh, most people don't realize it, but that's not, a, that's not important for them, according to these individuals. These people have not only hacked or cracked the human genome uh, through the Human Genome Project, but they have also cracked uh, or hacked consciousness. They know what consciousness is. And so these people uh, are very ingenious. Uh, they're very astute. And they know how to split personalities. They know how to control or use consciousness through the, the technologies that they have created. So uh, they know uh, neuroscience uh, very well. They use technologies that are unseen that we would never be aware of in order to manipulate and control uh, and nudge people toward where they want to go. 
And so, hence the old term used by Frederick Nietzsche, uh, the sheep or the herd, uh, is what uh, we see going on today. They shepherd people uh, not for their own good, uh, but for their good. They shepherd people and lead people and uh, in ways that are not good for them. So it is important that you and I understand what we have here in the Word of God. This, this teacher, this uh, faithful servant, has an instructed tongue or the tongue of the taught ones uh, to know the Word, to know the Word that sustains the weary. And we, you and I are to walk by faith during this time. And then he goes on um, and he talks about, uh, in verse 6, how this suffering servant uh, offered his back. I offered my back to those who beat me. And then, uh, so this is a prophecy, but in the Gospels we learn that the uh, Romans use a cat of nine tails. Uh, to be, to lacerate, uh, to induce trauma uh, uh, within the victim who is going to be led off uh, to crucifixion. The Romans reserved uh, crucifixion uh, for uh, uh, non-Roman citizens. Roman citizens uh, accused of capital uh, crimes were summarily executed with a, a sword. Uh, but this, uh, the, the cross, the giving, uh, was reserved for those who were non-Roman citizens. And please be aware that our Lord was crucified outside of Jerusalem in a dump called Gehenna, or the Valley of Hinnom, uh, where the fires were kept perpetually burning because the city's garbage, refuge, our animal carcasses, uh, were, were thrown into the Valley of Hinnom. And so this is where uh, he was crucified. And the writer to the book of Hebrews tells us, writes that we are to go with Jesus outside of the camp, that is, outside of Jerusalem. This is where we meet him. This is where he died for our sins. This is where he gave his life for us. Now notice verse 6. I offered my back to those who beat me in my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard. Now the Gospels record uh, the, the abuse that the, the Roman soldiers heaped upon Jesus before uh, crucifixion. And he, they platted and they made a crown of thorns and pressed it. Uh, pressed it down upon his brow. Uh, they gave him a scepter made of reed. They gave him a reed scepter, and they put a uh, mock purple on him. And the the gospel tells us that they they beat him, they pummeled him, and they they put a uh, they uh, covered his eyes and said said to him, prophesy to us. Uh, who hit you. And so in the Greek, this is in the imperfect tense. They kept on hitting him. They kept on heaping abuse upon him. And uh, Isaiah goes on to say that not only did they uh, pulled, uh, uh, pulled out his beard, 
but uh, it writes, I did not hide my face from mocking and spitting. Why are these details important for us? Why do we need to hear that these things were done to Jesus? Why, why, why do we need this? Um, and then in the midst, uh, uh, as he made his journey through the valley of the shadow of death, shadow of death, he knew that God was with him. And he did this by faith. So Hebrews 11.1 1 talks about faith. And it is not a definition of faith, but Hebrews 11.1 talks about the toughness of faith. But it is like the, 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 the reality of faith, the depth of faith, the, the meaning of faith. Uh, and then he goes on here. Uh, it states in verse 7, I will not be disgraced, therefore have I set my face like flint, and I know I will not be put to shame. I know I will not be put to shame. See, the, the, the Roman soldiers were to break him, to break his spirit, to humiliate him. Uh, they wanted him humbled. Uh, so through ridicule and their abuse. So they heap all that they could do upon his person before crucifixion. And let me go on. And then in Isaiah uh, 52, we read at the beginning of verse 13, C, and this is another, uh, uh, this is about the suffering servant again. Verse 13, quote, See, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. And in Hebrew, it reads like this. He will rise up. He will raise himself still higher. He will stand on high. And so we have the victory of the servant, the suffering servant. And so... The servant songs in Isaiah, if you would like to read them, and you should, are in Isaiah 42, uh, verses 1 through 9, Isaiah 49, verses 1 through 7, Isaiah 50, verse, uh, verses uh, 4 through 11, Isaiah 52, verses 13 through 15, and Isaiah 53, verses 1 through 12. So let me go on in uh Isaiah 52, uh, now verse 14, just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any man, and his form marred beyond human likeness. So he will sprinkle many nations, and kings will shut their mouths because of him. For what they were not told, they will see, and what they have not heard, they will understand, unquote. Now, so uh, notice this other detail that Isaiah adds for us. Now, in Psalm 22, we read that not, one, uh, a, not a bone of him would be broken. So Psalm 52 is another psalm about 
the suffering and victorious servant who walked by faith. Verse 14, his appearance was so disfigured. So the Hebrew word here is shamim, shamim. And remember that when he hung on that cross, his soul was made an offering for sin. He saw and uh, God the Father downloaded upon the suffering servant the sins of all humanity, thus sins, every sin was heaped upon the person of Jesus. So this word, uh, this figure, Shamim, it uh, means to be desolate or waste, to be startled and confused, petrified, paralyzed by astonishment. This word is used in Leviticus 26.32 and Ezekiel 26.16. And so uh, his appearance, his appearance, uh, that is his form. And understand that Isaiah is writing about the, the mental and uh, the emotional suffering of our Lord, too. So Isaiah writes about the physical torture and suffering, and Isaiah also writes about the mental uh, or emotional suffering of our Lord as well. Isaiah 53, uh, 5 reads, but he was pierced for our transgressions. That word transgression is tisha in Hebrew. It means rebellion. It means evil deeds. He was crushed in Hebrew. This word means to, uh, the verb means to break in pieces. He was crushed for our iniquities. And this word in Hebrew is avon, A-V-O-N, and it, and it means perversity, perversity. And the punishment that brought us peace, that, that word in Hebrew is a, a correction, was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. And so he suffered the penalty for our sin. And so the, uh, the word healed here uh, in Hebrew means to sew together, to mend to sew together. So this was all done by faith, our Lord's faith. He walked by faith and not by sight. And so he relied wholly upon the Father. He said, that, that as Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. My food, my nourishment is to do the will of him who sent me. So we have his focus, unwavering focus on the will of the Father. And here's another wonderful truth that I want you to understand by faith, about faith. Faith provides us focus. 
One who walks by faith is a focused individual. When one walks by faith and not by sight, it brings great clarity to one's life. We read in the book of Genesis that that Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to his account as righteousness. Abraham believed God. And it was Aman, A-M-A-N. And it is different because Hebrew is concrete. And so the picture there is of a, uh, a tent stake uh, that is placed in the ground that provides stability. So Abraham's uh, walk or life was made stable by faith. And it was accounted to him or reckoned to his account as righteousness. So we see that uh, God said to Abraham, I am thy exceeding great reward. God says the same thing to us, that he is our exceeding great reward. When God is your reward, and Jesus said, seek you first the kingdom of God, and all these things will follow you, he means just that. Seek you first the kingdom of God. And God will prosper your soul first. God prospers our souls with his presence. He prospers us with his own peace. The world, this world that you and I live in, this AI-controlled age, does not offer us peace. This world, this age, offers us endless harassment. You have no idea of the many invisible technologies that are used against us on a daily basis in order to uh, harass us spiritually. This world does not encourage us to focus on God. And so do you see why it is important for us to concentrate upon the ethos of what the Bible teaches, walk by faith, to order one's steps by faith. Now, let's go deeper. The word faith in Greek is a noun of action. Walk by faith and not by sight. The cosmos, uh, from which we get our word cosmetics, is designed to uh, impair spiritual vision. It is designed to lead us astray. It is designed to make us look away. It is designed to what? Just like the cell phones, with the sleek look, with the camera, uh, with the images, with the lighting. And believe me, research and development, spent they spent a ton of money in finding a design for the cyclops that we hold in our hands to what? Influence uh, our eyes, to take our eyes, to, to capture our consciousness. They spend a ton of money, but they are reaping their rewards because what has happened now, the first generation, you had some people who are using uh, the cyclops, but now uh, children grow up and they see their parents hold these things. And so what has happened, they have successfully 
uh, marketed through their parents uh, now to the children, you know, who and what they want them to be. And so they see what they have done. But focus is always on the images, always on what is new. We have a new generation. And the, the, the generations will, of, these, of the Cyclops will keep coming. These people have found out how to capture human consciousness through these things. So there are distractions. There are tools of distraction. And uh, where we go, where we search, where we look, where we Google, uh, all this information is captured and cataloged about uh, the, the individual. That is how to market more. And, not, and understand that the marketing is for their good. It's not for your good. It's not for my good. It's for their own good. And it is to distract away from what really matters. Okay, what really matters. Uh, Isaiah 53, verse 11. Uh, let me start at verse 10. Yet it was the, a quote, it, yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord, uh, and though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, Leviticus 5.15, he will see. What is a guilt offering? Well, in the Old Testament sacrificial system, uh, it was for, for sin. Uh, that the individual knew he committed, or the, the individual was uh, unaware uh, that it was a sin. So we are responsible uh, for sins of commission and omission. We're responsible for, uh, uh, for our unawareness that such an act or whatever was a sin, a guilt offering. So the Bible, Isaiah is very specific about the kind of offering of the life of Jesus, what it was. He will see, now Isaiah moves to the resurrection, he will see, that is the suffering servant, Jesus, uh, will see, that is Jesus, will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. So Isaiah writes, about the resurrection in this manner, manner once again, because uh, Hebrew is concrete. Hebrew is not abstract. Hebrew does not have a day for eternity. Uh, and Hebrew does not have a day for history. So uh, Hebrew does not have a, a term uh, for what we call the cycles of, uh, of nature. We go to uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 1, and you'll see the Hebrew understanding of time, a time of sowing, a time of reaping. That is their understanding of the cosmic order. Okay? And so uh, there is a word that is transliterated from the Hebrew uh, for eternity, but it doesn't mean the same thing in Hebrew awareness. After the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life 
and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their uh, bear their iniquities. So, and so here we see uh, the powerful life of Jesus uh, through the writings of, of through the writings of the prophet uh, Isaiah. And so, when we go to the New Testament, to the Epistle of James. Uh, the Epistle of James is about a living faith. James writes about uh, a, uh, what dead faith is. And uh, the Bible tells us about the, uh, the terrible reality of dead faith. And in James 2, verses 10 through 13, James tells us that dead faith results in judgment. It's important to, to understand that. <clears throat> James also writes in uh, James 2, verses 14 through 20, that dead faith is useless. And so the Bible uh, really carefully delineates to us what is living faith and what is dead faith. And so James uh, is pragmatic. And so uh, the book of James uh, has echoes of the Sermon on the Mount. And also, if you read it carefully, uh, there are, you can see that there are also reflections uh, from the book of Proverbs. It is practical in nature. As a, uh, the, the mindset is practical. And so when you and I are born again and we are in Christ and we belong to him, uh, how does God grow us up? God grows us up by faith. Now, the first century believers had their own set of pressures. They had pressures from the Roman government. They had pressures from false teachers. And you and I have what? We have pressures from the government, we have pressures from false teachers. And so while the technology has changed, and I'm not going to say more, the technology has changed, the pressure uh, and opposition remains. The pressure and opposition is a constant that believers uh, experience. Our own, and I started out about our Savior because I want you to see what he suffered and went through. Now, today we talk about post-traumatic stress. It used to be called shell shock. Uh, we, and so we talk about, uh, you know, what happens uh, with people who go through uh, certain events. Uh, that catastrophize or catastrophic events that change their lives or their perception of reality. And uh, people get stuck uh, in, in, those, um, in those realities. And so I started with our Savior because I wanted you to get an idea about the horrific, the horrific nature of his suffering. 
and what God did for him and how God uh, and up on the cross, Jesus was able to say, Father, forgive them so they know not what they do. Father, forgive them. And why did he say that? Because, look, when we, when we hold on to wrong or when we hold on to being, uh, when others have sinned against us, uh, and if we do not forgive, and the word means to release, to release uh, the offender from a debt that can never be repaid, and we do not do that, then the Bible tells us that by hating that offender, that offender is never released. When we hold on to the bitterness of what has been done to us, we are the, the, the prison cell that we have uh, laid out for the offender to hate. We are bound to that person. We are in the same prison. So hate does not release us or provide for us a, 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 a distancing mechanism, as it were, from the one who has offended us or hurt us in some way, who has caused us great pain. That's not the way it works. The more you hate, the, the more one is bound to the offender or offenders. In other words, uh, that individual owns your life when you surrender to hate. You give up your future. You give up your independence. You give up your ability to walk by faith. When you surrender to hate. So Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He, he didn't surrender to hate. And when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he prayed, and the Greek emphasizes that he would pray, then he would stand up, walk around, and he would drop down to the ground again. This is a very intense event and scene in his life. This was very intense. And so uh, the gospel writer adds that the capillaries, in his brow broke open and great drops of blood, as it were sweat, came from the stress that he was under. Because he knew. Notice, the soul of Jesus was perfect, unobstructed by sin or doubt. He had perfect awareness of what was to happen to him and what he was going to suffer. Yet, perfect awareness. And so he prayed to the Father that this cup might pass from him. Then he resolved himself to the will of God by saying, nevertheless, nevertheless, he would drink this cup because it was the Father's will. 
James 1, verse 2. James chapter 1, verse 2. Quote, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the thing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything, unquote. Now, this is a very, very powerful and poignant and pregnant uh, two verses. So, once again, the book of James is a practical book that discusses living faith. James deals, uh, he talks about uh, how God uses uh, trials to assay, to assay faith uh, through the experimental medium of various trials in, uh, in order to prove his worth. He says, now, this is a very difficult verse for me. These, uh, these verses were very difficult for me for a long time. Consider it all, consider it pure joy. In the Greek, it reads whole. Consider it whole joy. What? My brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. So, this word, uh, or this word, trials or tests, is in the Greek, uh, parasmos. P-E-R-I-P-E-I-R-E-S-M-O-S, parasmos. And uh, it means, uh, it, well, and so in English we, it, it means test, but the meaning depends on, on, on uh, who tempts. Uh, if it is God, it is to prove someone and never, to, uh, never for the purpose of causing him to fall. So consider it whole joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials or tests of many kinds. And the, the, the Greek idea is when you are surrounded by various tests, when you are surrounded by various trials or tests. And then he goes on, because you know that the testing terasmos of your faith, once again, the word is pistis in the Greek, faith is a noun of action. thing of your faith develops perseverance. There is nothing in this age, in this crooked, perverse, transhumanist age, this age that wants to uh, move out from humanity as you and I know it uh, to a new humanity based on what? Based on artificial intelligence, uh, based on genetic engineering, based on synthetic biology, based on uh, the DNA code that they have cracked and, and understand that original DNA strand had only four base pairs and two sugar phosphate backbone. Now they have synthetic DNA. Synthetic DNA. 
They've gone beyond uh, the four base pairs and uh, the, the size. Uh, and so they have moved out and beyond. They, they have, look, they have moved way out beyond what we can imagine in the area of synthetic biology, in the area of AI. You know, and they have cracked, uh, as I said earlier, cracked consciousness. They have cracked the human genome. They know where they want to go, transhumanism. To man, qua man, we readily say good riddance. But please understand what uh, that devil uh, wants to deviate wholly or com- uh, he wants to go into, into a place that's obviously against the known will of God. And so you and I live in this age. So he goes on, uh, and he says, your, the, the, the testing of your faith develops perseverance, perseverance. So that word uh, is hopomony in Greek. It means staying power, staying power, persevere. The testing of faith creates staying power. Because why? Uh, you're a focused individual. You're focused on what God wants for your life. You persevere. Perseverance must finish, finish its work so that you may be mature. So what is the goal? To be a mature believer, a mature believer in Christ, uh, and complete, not lacking anything. Now, this word uh, complete is holo, kleros. In Greek, and it means uh, someone who has persevered unto or who, having once lost, has now regained his completeness. That is, this individual has no deficiency of any kind. Now, in my next show, I'm going to develop more about holocleros. Because we rarely hear about this, uh, and uh, it's really sad. So God wants us whole. God will make us whole through the power of the Spirit as we what, walk by faith and not by sight, as we are filled with the Spirit, as uh, we do those things that God has called us to do and to be. So God... Uh, wants us to have a faith that stands the test of fire. And faith stands the test of fire better than gold. But even gold is refined by fire. What has God challenged you with in regard to faith? Where does God want you to go? Have you been tempted to stop trusting God and why? Why would you stop trusting him? Where does God want to experientially take you so that you will have a greater depth in your faith and a greater knowledge of Christ and understand that in him are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge? Stop being distracted by the world. Go before God and pour out your heart before him 
so that God will tell you how he wants to lead you. Stop being led by the cyclops in your hand and allow God's spirit to speak to you. Put away the cell phone, find a closet where you can go and allow God to talk to you and commune with you and reconnect with your Savior today. Good morning. My name is Dr. Spire Rich. Have a blessed day.